Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Cast Live from the field. And this is a very special edition of A's Cast Live because as we've been telling you all this time that it's the number one podcast, one of the number one shows in baseball, we're approaching 5 million downloads. We've been waiting to get the approval to finally air this video-wise on the field for Major League Baseball. This is the first time they're finally allowing us to do it. The best backdrop that you can have. And it is just fitting here for you watching on YouTube, you watching on Twitter, that our first guest is our old friend Marcus Simeon, someone who has been so good to us all the years as a great A and a guy from the Bay Area, San Francisco to Berkeley, to the Oakland Athletics, now with the Texas Rangers. I, it's just fitting that we finally are allowed to do this, and you're our first guest. How you been? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be home. Yeah, no, I'm just seeing you walk over here, and all the hugs, uh, all the guys, and obviously home for family, and, uh, you know, probably the kids come with you, and grandparents get to see the kids. I know it's your second time this season, but it's always got to feel good when those uh, when the plane touches down and you're back. It is, you know, it's that was a big reason I came back to the AL West. You know, free agency, you get to decide, you know, where you want to go to a certain extent. And, you know, Texas and the AL West is important uh, to me to be able to come home and see my parents more. And um, we still have a house here. So to stay in the house, it, it, it was nice. Well, I can tell you, I just tell people, you know, when I first left the radio station to take the job with the A's, it was a very, it was a big decision, right? It was uh, for my family, it was very emotional, and it was a risk, and it was all of that. And I'll never forget, so I signed with the A's, I leave the radio station, I go down to spring training, we're launching A's cast for the very first time, and most players, they don't know, they don't care, right? They have no idea. It was you who came up to me in the clubhouse and said, hey, congratulations, I heard you're coming to the A's. I'll never forget that. And to me, it will always show what a class act and what a great A you'll always be and while we'll always love you as an A because how thoughtful you, how thoughtful you were and you still are to this day, but how you just know everything that's going on. The fact that you came over and said that to me, that'll always mean a lot. 
No, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you, you're still doing what you're doing with the A's and you're making a big impact on this community. And, um, you know, I always paid attention to Bay Area sports as a kid. So, you know, whether it's on the radio or, you know, the TV networks or whatever, a lot of people in this area want to know what's going on. And for you to deliver that, it, it means a lot. Well, and, and I think about where you have gone, and I, I do want there's I actually have a couple questions about Toronto, but how's it going so far in Texas? Because let's face it, third team in third years, it's a, in, in three years, it's a lot of change. Yeah, definitely. You know, last year going to Toronto, um, you know, having a you know not great first month, you don't know anybody. Um, it's not always the easiest thing. Now this year, same thing, a little bit worse, a little bit worse of a slump. Um, but there's some things that I'm working out and I'm excited about. Um, we have a good mix of veteran and young talent here in, in Texas as well that I'm really excited about and a front office that is really hungry to win. So it's a good combination. Well, it's interesting, you know, you, you, you know, talk about slow starts, but then all of a sudden now here you guys come. Like all of a sudden you were looking at the standings going, wow, Texas is in trouble. You've erased that, and you're starting to play well in the West. You guys are coming in here, no question, with a lot of confidence. Yeah, the last nine games we knew uh, what we had in front of us with Anaheim, Houston, and Anaheim again, and um, and then here in Oakland. So we knew that we needed to play our best ball in the division. Um, our pitching's been unbelievable. You know, I think it's time for the bats to get going, and we'll see what we can do. And, you know, everybody's saying that in the league. That's the thing is that you, you, you look around, and I don't know if it's the humidor. I don't know. People are talking about when the weather warms up. Uh, balls have been different. We've been talking about that for years. Just It's just not you guys or yourself. There's a lot of people have been struggling early. Do you think there's something to the humidor or the balls or anything? Well, I mean, now we have technology to tell us how hard we hit it at what angle. And, you yeah. know, certain years, certain miles per hour with a certain angle we're getting out. Um, and it depends. You know, it's still early where the weather is not hot yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's something that as a hitter I always pay attention to, especially as a guy who doesn't hit the ball 110, 115 miles an hour. You need to, you know, hit it at 100, 105 at a, at a 30 degree and feel like it's going to get out. And that's kind of my game and what my game has been. Um, so we'll see how the year goes on. But like I said, personally, I feel like, if my mechanics are right and I'm doing things the right way, I'm confident and I'm I'm happy with where I'm at. Now, I, I only got to go to the old ballpark. I haven't traveled with a team since COVID. I, I got to imagine going to that new yard every day is pretty sweet. It is very sweet. Um, it's it's luxury. It's <laughs> You walk in the clubhouse, you have everything you need. The, the facilities are amazing. It's a great place to show up to work. Um and you know me, I just want to play baseball. So um, they have provided everything we need as players to get better and, and win, and now it's up to us to utilize it to the best of our ability. What do you think of the division so far, now that you've seen the division? I mean, we just finally just saw the Mariners for the first time. I know the Angels at this point still haven't seen the Mariners. You've seen everybody in division. So when we talk about yourself, you talk about the Angels. You talk about the Astros. Like, like how, how how do you see the division as someone who's played in it for so long now? Yeah, it's a well-balanced division. I think that everybody's got pitching. Um, all the starters in the, the division are rolling right now. Um, in Seattle, they're sitting there at the bottom right now, I believe, and they have you know former Cy Young winner and a bunch of young arms. So they, 
they're going to make some noise too. Uh, it's really going to come down to who's hitting and who's playing the best defense because the pitching has been locked in in the, the division. Now, I, got, I wanted to ask you about Toronto because some of the, you know, you could say to a guy, hey, what was it like playing in Toronto? But that's not Marcus Simeon's journey with the Toronto Blue Jays, technically. There was some Toronto. There was also your spring training facility. There was Buffalo. What's it like playing for a team that doesn't really have a home? I mean, that had to be a crazy year for you. It was. I mean, we started the year off in Dunedin where I think most of the games were like road games to us. Um, we The Blue Jays did not have a large fan base in Dunedin. Um, everyone in our division seemed to have a larger fan base. We played Tampa, obviously, that's close to Dunedin. Yeah. Red Sox, um, Yankees, they had more fans than we did. So we, you know, it was an adjustment to play big league games in a spring training facility under the lights where the lights are a little dimmer. Um, but then when we went to Buffalo, we kind of turned it on. We had fan support throughout. We had um, we had literally Toronto fans coming down to Buffalo and packing that AAA stadium. We felt the energy. And once we got to Toronto, although it was limited capacity, it was it felt loud in there, and we really fed off that. And I think about the crowds that you guys get in Texas because the new ballpark, people just want to experience it. And now they, 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 they have something that they've always wanted, a ballpark inside with air conditioning. You remember all the years going there as an opponent where it's hot, it's raining. It's, you know, I mean, the one year we were there, it was like tornadoes were happening right outside. Our plane got hit. Remember that? How crazy. Our plane, actually, the stairs, the wind was so strong, the stairs hit the wing of the plane. They had to fly another plane in for us to then to go to Tampa. But now I got to think for them, just to know you're going to have a baseball game every day has to be huge. That's big. I mean, we had that luxury here in Oakland. I feel like there's rarely a rain delay here. Um, you know, playing in the AL East, there's a ton of rain delays, and it affects you as a player. Um, but, yeah, the, the stadium, like I said, is best in baseball, in my opinion. It's, a, it's more of a pitcher's park than a hitter's park, but in terms of showing up to work and playing every day, it's 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 one of the best. And I always enjoyed going to the old Texas even. I just I enjoy that road trip um, as a road player, that hotel. That just playing in Texas was nice, and now it's even better. You know, when I think about your journey, obviously, you know how our fan base feels. They wanted you to be here forever, and it was hard when you left. It was a, it was the start of kind of we know how this thing was going to roll, and it was sad. But you'll always be loved here, obviously. But when you went through that process, you have that process really once in your career. Here you are, free agent, boom. What was that like, and why was the decision the Texas Rangers? Yeah, well, for me, I, I – Got to go through free agency twice, technically. Um, my body of work in 2020 was not as good as 2021, so the market was way better in 2021. Um, and I was, you know, at 31 years old, we were just trying to figure out how many years uh, we could get and who, you know, who needed a middle infielder. I was still contemplating playing shortstop. Um but now as a second baseman, we understood what the market was, and it came down to really the numbers, um, the finances of it, and we got the best deal, uh, the best offer from Texas, and it was a place that was at the top of our list, and it, it really lined up. And I know you look at a deal like this and you say, this is what sets me up for the rest of your life, your career, generational wealth. That's great. We're all happy for you. But I think a guy like yourself who loves this game and keeps yourself in unbelievable shape, 
I mean, in your mind, aren't you thinking playing longer than this contract? I am. You know, I obviously we're in year one of a seven-year contract. That's yeah. a long time from now. But the way I train and prepare is to, to play beyond that, of course. Um, I love the game. I'm, I'm the type of person who wants to play until they take the jersey off my back. Um, some people, you, you look at what Posey did and say, he had more years, he had more years. I'm, like I said, I'm the kind of guy who's going to keep going until I can't, and, you know, that's just how I was raised. How's the family doing? We're good. Um, three boys now, you know, kindergarten, graduate, uh, preschooler, and a one-year-old just running around. And we're adjusting to Texas. You know, we, we moved out there full-time now, so uh, it's been a transition year, especially this offseason with everything that went on with the, with the union and everything and free agency, and, and we're just getting settled in now. Yeah, we've watched your family grow, and it's interesting, you know, to watch you as a player, watch your family grow. It's been one of the things, and, you know, life changes. But the one thing that I think it's always been a great advantage for you is your wife and how supportive she is, obviously being a former athlete herself and understanding the business. That, that's just got to help you. We know how hard you work, and we know what you put into it, and it helps that you have that support off the field. No doubt. Uh, my wife. You know, her work ethic is probably better than mine, um, not only when she played, but as a parent and as a, a wife. And for me, it's, it makes me uh, just more calm when I come to work to know that my family and my, my kids are in good hands. And um, I do everything I can here to make sure they're comfortable at home. Well, I'll say this because I know you got a meeting you got to go to. I've been doing this a long time, right? We say goodbye to Kurt Suzuki. We say goodbye to Stephen Vogt. We say goodbye to Jed Lowry. <laughs> Everybody, for some reason, they all, I mean, how many times did Ricky Anderson come back, right? Jose Canseco came back. I know you're going to play a long time, and we, we, you know, even though you're in division, you know we're always going to root for you. You're one of our favorites of all time, just not just because of what you've done on the field, knowing what kind of person you are. We'll always root for you. I do feel if there's, like, like players – I can see you back in an A's uniform. I don't know when. I just have a feeling we'll see you again in Oakland. Yeah, you never know. Like I said, I want to continue to play uh, as long as I can. Um, the goatee may be a little grayer. Uh, <laughs> we have that conversation. But, you know, you know this is home. Um, and it's a place I'm very familiar with. And, you know, that's a long time from now. But I've seen tons of players come back here for a reason. And I know the reason. Um and it's, it's the community and the, the people in this organization that take care of players, and it's a certain brand of baseball that players here love. Well, I'll tell you what, it's just fitting that our first day being able to be live on the field here for you on YouTube and on Twitter, for it to be Marcus Simeon as our first guest as we look to continue to grow this. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to see you. It's great to see that you're healthy, happy, the family's good. And like I said, for A's fans, you're one of the favorite A's of all time, and everybody here is always going to root for you. Whether you're playing against us or not, we will always root for you. So let's do this again soon, and good luck the rest of the season. You stay healthy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The great Marcus Simeon right here on A's Cast Live.
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, programming note. I have just been told, are we pulling a Peyton Manning here? Omaha. Omaha? I don't have the drop anymore, but yeah, we're going to. I like the commercial now. Or all of a sudden, something changes, and all the Peyton Mannings pop up in the office. Omaha, Omaha. I mean, Peyton's a Peyton's a pretty big deal now. Uh, he has his own podcast company. I mean, I think Peyton Manning's been a big deal since the University of Tennessee. I think Peyton Manning has been a big deal since he was Archie's son walking around at the Superdome as a kid, being a Saints fan. I, I'm pretty sure. I think Peyton, if he wanted to, right now, could go into a comedian a comedic career and be awesome. When he hosts a Saturday Night Live, oh, when, he's the best. When he's when he's picking on the no offense, when he's picking on the, the throwing the football at the kids and all that stuff, it was so good. Oh, that was it, what was the bit? It's the uh, United Way. Yeah, Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, or it was whatever. United United Way. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> then he did a thing on Saturday Night Live where he broke down Emily in Paris, which is a show on Netflix. Yeah. He's paid Manning. Yeah, it's like what's funny. It's like you know, and really, you start to see now the relationship between him and Tom Brady. Actually, they're actually pretty good friends. But and Tom's always going to be known as the greatest. But the guy that's career that is going to, we'll look back all these years now with television and everything he's doing. I mean, uh, it's hard to be bigger than Peyton Manning. I mean, pretty pretty incredible what he's done. And uh, from everything I know, he's he's like the guy you want to have a beer with. Like he's like really one one hell of a guy. Um, this series. Oh, you didn't you didn't say what the. Oh, what is it? What, what do we got going? So we're gonna have our good friend, uh, the pitching coach Scott Emerson on. We're gonna, not we're gonna, the pitching ninja. Yeah, no, the pitching coach Scott Emerson. We know we're gonna talk about the whole time, position players pitching. I, I will not. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. And which ace player would be the best position? What was pitcher? that stupid article you printed for me today? Uh, which position player do we want to see pitch next? I I, I refuse to talk. I, they did they did a breakdown. I can't believe you you wasted a tree. You, you hurt our environment to print the stupid story about which position player we want to see pitch. When everybody talks about the integrity of the game, I don't see any integrity with Joey Votto being the number one pitcher everybody wants to see. Oh, he's like such a good personality. Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge was number two. Yeah, I had to list my bag. I don't even pull it out. I'm yeah. not even going to give this credence. I, I Disgusting to me that we even, even talk about it. It's like – Everybody wants to talk about the integrity of a sport. What other sport does that that makes a mockery of itself? Uh, hey, we're going to put an offensive lineman at quarterback. You know what I heard yesterday on Buster's podcast? Him and Tim Kirchner were talking about Yankees. The, no, 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 they did talk about that, which we we can get into. We talk, you Don't and I we have about Buster it. on today? Yeah, yeah 5 yeah. o'clock. They were talking about yesterday how um, they should have a tag team for the home run derby, meaning Pulhos, Joey Votto, uh, Miggy and Yadier Molina all tag in and out for the home run derby as, a, as guys. Okay, um, who wants to see these old guys? Yeah, what, well, how's that hurt? That's a, it's a gimmick, right? So I want to see Miguel Cabrera hit the ball into right field because he can't turn on the ball anymore. That's what I want to see. Wow, shots fired at a future Hall of Famer. I'm just saying. I'm just just saying. Is this on? Is this camera on? Yeah. Is this <laughs> microphone on? 
I'm just saying. Uh, kind of interested in this matchup. I don't know how many people got a chance last night uh, to watch MLB Network where you had the Rangers taking on the Angels, but the Rangers are coming in here with some confidence, and the Athletics obviously taking two out of three in Seattle all of a sudden have found some offense. By the way, what's cool about being live on the field now, you can see it as Cole Irvin just comes by, front of the program. Oh, I didn't even see Cole. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna, – you're going to now get to see what we get to see on, a, on an everyday basis. Move the camera around so they can see. Move it around so you get to see what our platform is like. And if you're listening, now you'll have an idea. I mean, if you're listening, you can't see it. But if you're watching on YouTube or on Twitter, you now kind of get to see what it looks like and what we've been doing all these years, being on the field. And it's why we can take advantage of – all the different guests that come here, that it's amazing, especially like in times where the A's, we did have very good seasons and you had all the national people that were here in the media or you get, you know, it's the reason why we've had Scott Boris so many times. It's not like we're calling up Scott Boris in his office says, yeah, he'd like to come on because he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. But we get him when he comes here because every year we seem to draft one of his players. So where it's Logan Davidson or Kyle Murray or whoever – we're getting Max Muncy last year. Max Muncy. We're getting. I mean, how many times have we had Boris on? Uh, twice now. I think it's three. No, it's after Davidson and after Muncy. Well, he comes up. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I mean, so no, 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 no. He called you Townie. Oh, he called me Townie. So, friend of the program, yeah. Scott Boris. Oh, b- uh, by the way, real quick, New will be mock draft was out today. They have the ace taking Dylan Beavers from Cal. It's an outfielder. They have they have a mock draft for. Oh, they have mocked. Remember, I did one last year. Only guy in the country to project. Asa Lacey to go to the Royals. If you write a mock draft for baseball, if you read a mock draft for baseball, you really got to ask yourself, what are you doing with your life? I'm going to watch every dra- every round of the draft. Every moment, every second you're alive on this earth is precious. And you're going to spend that precious little time that you have in this thing called life to read a baseball mock draft? Yeah. Where you could be reading about things that could help mankind, to help grow, enlighten yourself, mankind. You're worried about reading about a bunch of kids. You have no idea who they are. Well, first of all, I can't say I've watched Zell Beavers play three times this year. So I do know who he is. Okay. You've, you, I, you you know all these high school kids? Uh, no. There's one kid from Pittsburgh on there, though, from high school. No, high school, no. College kids, I've seen a few. I, that's, I don't get into that because I like to think I have somewhat of a life. Back to <laughs> A's. That is A's. Those. And Rangers. Rangers are back from the dead. Like, I thought they were dead. They're back from the dead. I mean, you come into this game, the Texas Rangers, who you're like, oh, they spent all that money. I mean, the Texas Rangers are a series away from being close to, if not 500, when they were like, wow, bad. Yeah, they started. They were wow, bad. They had a really bad start to the year. Well, they're being saved right now. They're starting, heads up. Starting, their starting pitching has been very uh, very solid this year. Led, led by the guy pitching tonight, Martin Perez. Who, by the way, is 3-0 and with a .65 ERA in his last yeah. six starts or something. Like, yeah, like, Rangers, on, Rangers are 5-1 and one in those games. Yeah, they've won five of six. He's 3-0, 0.65 ERA. And I hate to say it, and I did this hit for my NBC hit for A's pregame live. 
this is a matchup that everybody's going to be watching. Why is everybody going to be watching this matchup? Because these are two guys, hate to say it, but these are two guys that people are going to be calling for at the trading deadline. Martin Perez is a free agent at the end of the year. Who knows if they're going to want to pay him. They're going to look more long-term guys with the money that the Rangers have, or we've heard that's what they're going to do. And with the year he's having, maybe they do want to pay him. I don't know, but he could be somebody, obviously, and everybody's looking at Frankie Montas. And for Frankie, the A's have, in his last, the A's have lost his last six starts and have only scored 12 runs in those starts. Obviously, the one down in Anaheim, as we're watching Bethancourt go way large here at the ballpark going out during uh, during uh, BP. That, that, that shot right back at Frankie is obviously very scary, and... When it hit, partially hit his hand, went in, partially hit his hand, went into the glove, and walking around, then kneeling, and he saw his hand was shaking. It's the adrenaline that's going. It's the shock. But what's going to happen when the adrenaline and the shock wear off? That's when you're swollen, x-rays, negative, no broken bones. But he was not going to be, I mean, you'd have no feeling in your hand, wouldn't be able to go. But, oh, couple days pass and he's okay but obviously the baseball world's watching all the scouts everybody's watching this start between these two guys tonight because they're going to be two guys people want at the train deadline there's going to be a lot of teams looking for starting pitching and these are going to be two of the guys that teams are going to be looking at and for the A's they've gained some confidence I mean you look at what they've done on the road I mean, the A's on the road have been pretty damn good at 13-13. and 13. How do they make that happen now at home? They need to change how they play at home. Because at home, I'm going to be honest, 16-14, and 14, and I'm looking at the pitching coach right now. That's no bueno at home. You got it. Whatever you're doing on the road, you got to make happen at home. Scott Emerson is joining us now here on A's Cast Live, the pitching guru as we like to call him, as it's been a while since we've seen him since the last homestand. Welcome back to Oakland. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing well, and I think you've got to feel really good coming out of Seattle, taking two out of three, winning those last two games. You get that win, happy flight on the way home. How are you guys feeling as a staff? Well, you know, obviously you want to build some momentum off those two wins in Seattle. So, you know, I heard you earlier talking about you know, playing at home. You know, we we got to come out and establish ourselves in our home field and, and do the right things and keep playing good, solid baseball that we played the last games in Seattle and, and carry that on through this homestand. Is there any rhyme or reason why a team would be better on the road than at home? I mean, this is the mound that you know – these are the hops, this is the infield, this is the outfield. You know the bounces, you understand the weather. We know that the wind constantly swirls here at the cut. This should be a complete home field advantage. Teams don't like playing here, they don't like the clubhouse, they complain about this, they complain. This should be the ultimate home field advantage. Why the struggle at home? Well, yeah, you, you gotta try to use that to your advantage. And, uh, you know, it's not like the guys go out there and, and think home and road is anything different. Uh, but obviously, you know, uh, you know, you look at the 12th man in football, and that's the crowds, you know. And, and I, you know, Oakland is a great place for us. We love it here, and we'd love to get a little bit more people here so uh, to support the team that goes out there and, and plays hard each and every day. And, 
and you know it, it's a grind it's a grind uh, the season's always a grind and and we appreciate everybody who comes to the game support and uh, you know when you're on the road sometimes there might be a little bit different atmosphere but we got to find a way to create that atmosphere at home no matter what and uh, you know uh, the guys try to do that and and you know the fans uh, they, they're very important to players and they're very important to us so uh, I think that might play a little bit into it that's not an excuse but uh, you know we do got to play better at home okay comebackers for pitchers unless you've pitched you don't understand it and emo and I are old enough that we pitched in the juice bat metal bat era yeah. where you had bats. Easton was making bats that were 35 inches, 29 ounces. I mean, they were swinging it like they're wiffle ball Black bats. Magics. Oh, it was insane. And the ball came back at you so fast. And I think about Frankie. When Frankie bent down and his hand was shaking, right there that told me there's the adrenaline, there's the shock. He's not feeling anything, and when the shock adrenaline wear off, it's going to be pain. You x-ray it, there's no breaks, which is good. But I knew, like, I, I didn't, no feeling in the hand. You can't really pick. I understood why he came out, and that was, I wouldn't you say, the best thing for him, just to, just, and really for the hitters, for everybody. Yeah, a little bit precautious. You know, when, when you get hit in your, your two fingers that are really important to throw in the baseball, and you don't feel those fingers for a while, and they feel a little bit numb, you know, obviously, then you don't know where the ball's going to be going, and then you're going to hurt the ball club. So, you know, when, when Frankie was out there and he threw a couple warm-up pitches and just didn't feel right at the time, uh, it was best to get him out, get him seen, get some ice on it, and get some treatment. And Nick Paparesta, our athletic trainer, did a great job with him, and we were able to bounce back and be ready for today's start. In your pitching career, did you ever have to come in after a hurt guy? Uh, no, but, uh, you know, I, I, I came in after Roger Clemens twice on rehab assignments, Aaron Seeley on rehab assignments, Arthur, Arthur Rhodes on rehab assignments, and I knew what inning I was pitching. And Well, uh, the reason but, why I ask is I had to do that one time, and what happens is is you get called from the bullpen. I had it happen to me in college. You come running out, and they say, take your time. You got all the time in the world. <laughs> And you're sitting there, and I'm not, so this is college, right? This is not the big leagues. You still have a couple thousand people in there, and you start playing catch, and, but you're supposed to have all the time in the world. But everybody's like, all right, come on, come on. Yeah, hurry up. Let's get this you game moving. You can't help but rush because everybody's waiting. and every, They're looking at you. Your team's looking at you. And you're supposed to be ready to go eight pitches as a reliever. How do you really be able to settle a guy by saying, Relax, you got your time. Well, you, you know, you, you, you call down to a reliever, generally two, maybe three hitters in advance. You might try to stall a little bit of time on a visit to the mound. So they, they're used to warming up quick. So, you know, for me, you know, it, it's, it's the ambiance of everybody around you. And then playing catch, when, when normally they might throw two balls, they get on the rubber and throw their, their warm-up pitches. Now all of a sudden you're in the game, you got 40,000 people in Anaheim and you're in front of the mound throwing and you throw one to the backstop, everybody's gonna laugh and go chaotic on you. So, you know, what I try to tell the guys is go do your normal thing. Get up on the mound, make your throws, do your 10, 15 warm-up pitches and we're ready to go. So hard to do because all the eyeballs are like, uh, how long is this gonna take? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. That is not it. By the way, twice after Roger Clemens? Twice. twice. Now. The story goes, in my remembrance, he threw uh, both perfect games through five. I come in and give a base hit up the middle every time. 
and was, you know, he's the greatest pitcher of all time, and I got to follow that. And here I come in throwing my 90, and the guy rips one up the middle. <laughs> both times, both times. So uh, what was it like having the Rocket as a teammate? Oh, I mean, that guy is uh, a leader by example. You know, he uh, didn't talk to many people to, uh, while he was pitching or, or before he pitched. He opened up after the game. This was in uh, Trenton, New Jersey in A. And uh, just watching him go about his business before the game was pretty impressive. Uh, like, no nonsense. You know? Oh, he was intense, yeah, right? Yeah, no signing autographs. Don't even talk to me. Kind of stay away from me, which which I love because he's preparing and getting him getting him psyched up to, to go out and, and um, you know, pitch that game. Brad Osmus is probably the best guy to talk to. He caught him over 300 innings in his career. So, about the Rocket, though. But, in my opinion, a guy, a Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers of all time. Seven Cy Youngs. How many times has he come in second place? Uh, yeah, yeah. I We can get into that topic. The guy with the most MVPs, the guy with the most home runs, guy with the most size, guy with the most hits. We can go on and on. That's a whole different discussion. But, yeah. That's another show. I wore number 21 in college because of Roger Clemens. I loved Roger Clemens growing up. I mean, we all did. That generation – like, I did the TV with Stu yesterday while you guys were out. I was there. And, like, the whole time I'm like, I'm with Dave Stewart. I mean, Dave, Dave Stewart back in the day, like, when you talk, like, the big game, he was like King Kong. He, he, was, he, was, he was the guy, right? He was like Tyrannosaurus Rex. He was the big – he was Godzilla. He was the, he was the monster back well, in the day, he, he Dave had, Stewart. He had the stare down. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's something I always remember. You know, people talk – I grew up uh, in, in Arizona, Scottsdale Community College. The Oakland A's spring trained at our junior college one year, maybe two years, and, and Dave Stewart, Bob Welch, and Kurt Young and those guys were, were on our fields. And uh, I got to go like shag and play catch with them. But just to watch Ron Darling, you know, uh, the act, you know, and to watch these guys work and how powerful they look to me. Like, these guys aren't intimidated or of anything. They, they were Oakland A's baseball. And so when I was fortunate to come to the Oakland A's organization and come up here to the big leagues, those are the guys that I, I, I Dave Duncan, you know, probably one of the greatest pitching coaches of all time. Yeah. Those are the guys for me that I look at and go, wow. You know, I, I get to see these guys. I get to see uh, the numbers up here. And, and, you know, Dave Stewart and Bob Welch and Kurt Young and, Storm Davis and Nieck, those guys, just watching them go out and do their business at Scottsdale Community College was like, this is something I want to do, and it was awesome. How do you create that down here? How do you make your guys go, you're like Dave Stewart, you're like Bob Welch, Mike Moore, you missed Dennis Eckersley. I mean, how do you build them up and make them get that sense of belief? Because you know a guy who's doing that for you this year is Paul Blackburn. He believes. It's just not, okay, I, I get it. He changes grip. You could say that stuff to me all yeah, you want. Yeah. There is something about there's a difference between going out on the mound and surviving versus going out to be a winner. Yeah, mo most definitely. The, the one thing, though, I, is, uh, you know, all those guys that you talked about had that one thing, and that's, that's confidence and that's you're not going to beat me. You know, I, I know that, um, you know, I remember Stu talked to the group in instructional league when I was the pitching coordinator about somebody asked him how he dealt with failure, and one of his answers was failure. I never failed. You know, he, he, his point was um, uh, I just didn't have it that day. You know, he, he gave them such good advice that 
that he was lucky or he was so confident in himself. And this is how I took the conversation. So when, when guys are down here, they got to be them. You know, James Caprillion, uh, Paul Blackburn, Frankie Montas, Cole Irvin, and, and uh, Zach Logue, when they go out and take that mound as starting pitchers, they have to command the strike zone, but they got to command and demand it of themselves to be who they are. You know, if you're not a 96, 97 guy, well, you better locate. And you better not be afraid to locate. And that's kind of a message I try to tell guys, too. Like, you can be a power pitcher with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. You act like it. Here I come. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to be the aggressor. And then I'm going to change speeds. You know, you know my saying. And then I'm going to throw my breaking ball Give off that. Give him the saying. We're on, we're, on, we're on video now. Well, if hitting is time and pitching is disruption of timing. And... Uh, I truly believe in that. You you got to be the aggressor with all your pitches. When you got to be in the zone, you got to be in the zone where you want to be in the zone. You got to have that intent to throw it where you want to throw it. And that mindset is here I come. I'm going to beat you to the spot. I remember Dallas Braden talking, uh, pitching one day, and he talked about beating you to the spot. And it was a great term for me, and I've used it for the last seven, eight years since you know, actually longer than that, maybe ten years now. Beat him to the spot, and beating him to the spot doesn't necessarily mean just with location. It means, or just with velocity, it means beating him to the spot with location. If they're thinking up and in, get it down and away, drive it through the strike zone. And I think our guys, uh, hopefully, we can continue to build that bulldog type Dave Stewart smoke mentality. Yeah, because if you got that, man, the difference that makes and just all the numbers that we have and everything, and you guys have your own version of data, just but there's just something about when that lead guy goes out and gives you that opportunity to win, it just really sets up the entire game for you. Yeah, you know, starting pitching is very important to set up the game. And when your guys go out there and they're pumping strikes and they're being the aggressor, then that's great. And that's what you want. When they go out there and they're, they're not feeling it, they're nibbling the strike zone a little bit, generally they put themselves in, in, in trouble. And, uh, you know, we just try to force our guys to throw as many good quality strikes as possible and believe in yourself. I mean, there's a believe, uh, a belief system that, you know, I tell the guys, if, if I believe in your career more than you believe in your career, we got a problem, right? <laughs> so you got to go out there with the intent that, that you're the best. I mean, that's your, that's your mound out there. It's 24 by 17. I'm going to stay within the hallway of, of the lane down the, down the slope of the mound, and I'm coming at you with aggressiveness. And aggressiveness means, you know, I'm moving pretty good, I'm throwing strikes, I'm changing speeds, and I'm being unpredictable. That's what aggressiveness is. You know, and one guy you want to talk about how it just changes everything for you is Danny Jimenez. I mean, Danny Jimenez, going into yesterday, I don't know what the numbers are, but going into yesterday – they were just one for 34 on his slider, and he threw them yesterday, so it's better. Cody, look that up with we are now. But you're talking about a guy who's 10 for 10 saves. He's got given up one hit all year with his slider. He has the ability to throw it for a strike, the ability to throw it for a strikeout, throw it at any time. What's been missing with, with Danny Jimenez where, where he was before, where he is now? Where he is now is – he could be your representative at the All-Star game. You know, I think, you know, I remember when we lost Danny a few years ago uh, when we when we Rule 5 to him and sent it back. Uh, he was telling me, I want to be here. And uh, we finally got him back, and and, and uh, I think that's, 
a confidence boost. We put him in the closer's role when, when Lou went down with the COVID stuff, and, and he's taken off. You know, he, he's demanding the most out of himself. He's a, a very good um, planner of what he can do and what he can't do. Uh, he looks like he's cool, calm, and collected. Like there's there's ice in his veins. You know, he, he nothing's rattled him so it's not far. Not a whole lot of emotion out yeah, on the mound. And, and from a closer, that's great. You know, and uh, you know he's he's earned every opportunity he's gotten so far. And uh, you know, I just I enjoy watching him pitch because I know he's out there. That's that energy. You, you know, like like you could talk to Stu about it. That's that energy. You know, this guy is out there. And when other teams and other hitters know he's out there, they're going to be aware of him. And I think he's doing a great job. Give me the numbers on the slider, Commander. One for thirty-six now. It's a .28 batting average. Now. And this is, we talked about it yesterday with Stu on TV. Stu goes, yeah, but don't forget, he gets it up there 95-96. So you as a hitter, you can't get all up there just like a slider because, boom, he can pop 95-96 on you. And if you're not ready for that, that's going to be either blown by you on your hands. I mean, he's become a weapon. Yeah, that's where, you know, the, the, the saying goes right there. And, uh, you know, they got to respect the fastball. Boom, there's the breaking ball. Now they got to respect the breaking ball. And boom, there's the fastball. So when he can be dominant with two dominant pitches, it's fun to watch. I've said this about A.J. Puck all season, and I'm going to continue to say this. You tell me whether I'm right or wrong. I know you will. A.J. Puck to me, I don't care if he goes out there and strikes every guy out. I don't care if he goes out there and gives up three home runs. The only thing that matters for me for A.J. Puck is that after he throws, he shows up the next day and doesn't go on the I.L. When I can see A.J. Puck pitch 20 times or more in a season, not go on the I.L., I'm going thumbs up. I know he's got the talent. I know he's got the arm. I, to me, it's all about can he stay healthy. Yeah, I'll take the two out of the three. I'll take the strikeouts and staying healthy, and we won't take the home runs. I get you. Yeah. I just I need so, him to be healthy. You know, AJ's put himself in a spot with his delivery that he feels comfortable with, that he, his arm feels good. He's bouncing back uh, better than he's ever have. Uh, he's developing confidence. You know, we've put him in some uh, you know leverage situations to see what he can do, and uh, you know, it, it's fun to 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 watch AJ grow. And like I said, we we need to keep him. You know, healthy the best we can, and when he says I'm feeling really good, you know, we're going to use him. And when he says I'm not feeling so good, we got to think about it. I want you to say to the crowd, say it one more time. This is our first time that we're allowed to do this, so you've seen it for years. They're seeing it for the first time. Give give me your saying. The, the if if hitting's timing, pitching is disruption of timing. That's it. That's all we need to know. I know you got to get out of here. I guess you got to go to meetings. Well, pretty soon. I got to go to lunch first. Is that, well, they gave me the wrap. <laughs> they, they gave me the wrap it up. Uh, always great to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me. And by the way, uh, your pitchers are making you proud right now. There's no doubt. Yep, they're, they're they're a great group of guys. They work their butts off, and it's fun to watch. That's the pitching guru. We got more next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. 
Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, there's things that we're working on here on A's Cast Live. We're working on teaching people it's okay to learn. It's okay not to know. As we have people stepping right in front of our camera right now as we speak. Um, it's okay. And we're teaching Cody it's okay to be able to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you got to say, and something that I've done for many, many years, it was probably one of the smartest things I ever did in my career when I was a lot younger because I worked with a couple people that could not say that. They had to act like they knew everything, and they would lie their way through it, and I'd be doing shows with these people, and I'm going, I know this person's lying, and I can't necessarily call them out because then I'd be – You're calling them out now. I'm calling them out now. (laughs) And if you followed my career and you know the people I've done shows with, there's plenty of them that are so full of you-know-what, it's unbelievable. Hypotheticals. I learned to say, I don't know. And I've told people for this, for years, whether it's the talk show, whether it's the post-game show, I've taken thousands of calls in my career. If I don't know, I don't know, and I'll go find out the answer. It's the best way to handle it. Yeah. If they go, hey, what about this? What about a ruling? What about a player? What about – I'm not going to lie and act like I know and kind of BS my way around it. I'm just going to say, I don't know. I'll go find out. Call me again tomorrow, and I'll find out what the answer is to this question that you have. Like, there's one time I've done that recently, and I still haven't. I've had a caller on the postgame show ask me, can you use cash here at the stadium? The answer is no. There you have it. I didn't know. You just got the answer. I believe we're still a cashless stadium. God, I haven't really carried cash. I'll carry cash when I travel, but I don't really carry cash anymore. I carry cash to the golf course, and I carry cash when I travel. That's it. Yeah, um, from what I'm reading, it says we're still a cash-free ballpark. I mean, See, I've there seen you the, go. I I've didn't seen know. The, I've seen the machines that dispenses the, like, debit cards you can use to put pre- or you put money on it. To, I didn't know. Yeah, well, now you know. Now you know. There used to be that commercial that we used to play at the old, that we used to hear at the old station, uh, The More You Know. You, you, you got to learn things. And speaking of learning about things, you know, it, it was it was yesterday that I really had the thought that, you know, Danny Jimenez, if, if it's going to be tough to be a starter in the All-Star Games. for And Paul Blackburn, my God, a 1.70 ERA, 5-0. and But, like, you know what happens. Like, with certain teams, especially teams with bad records, what do they do? Boom, put the reliever in the All-Star Game. Literally, you look at Danny, would you say it's one for what? One for 36, 0.28 batting average. I mean, Danny Jimenez is going, unless something, because we're almost in June. Confirmed, we are a week, couple days away. They'll have the they'll have the All-Star team selected. The All-Star game's actually late this year. It's July yeah. 19th. Yeah. Wait, in, in, right? in L.A., yeah. I, I, yes, it's in the 18th cause, or 19th because my wife and I were looking to go to the Home Run Derby on the 18th. So, in July, you're going to get selected. I mean, right now, I mean, Danny Jimenez has has emerged, even though these things go year to year. Heck, they go by certain points of the season. A guy could be lights out, and then he can't get anybody out. A guy can't get anybody out, and then you know he's lights out. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah, ask the Yankees about their closer. Well, I think he's not. He's, I think it's top, Andrew top, top three guys are out now for the Yankees in their bullpen. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa. The way, Clay Holmes is still there. 
Chad Green. Green's out, yeah. Chapman he, and um, the other guy hurt his oblique. What the heck's his name? Um, That's their top three. Loisiga. Yeah, he just went well, on the he, DL, right? You mean him and his 70 RA or whatever it is this year? Yeah. He hasn't been good. He was great last year. And you got Stanton, Donaldson, LeMayhew out. Oh. Anthony Rizzo can't hit. And, by the way, I haven't checked the score. This is when our Rays, that's right, our Tampa Rays taking on the Yankees for the first time. So, John Heyman had the tweet Sca earlier. Scoreboard's up. It's 0-0 it's, it's zero, zero yeah. in the fifth yeah. right now. So, uh, John Heyman had the tweet. The Yankees have, or what are they, 31 and 13, whatever the record is. They played the Orioles 13 times. They played the race zero. Well, okay. They're almost done with the Orioles, and we're in May. Look at this. You take – this tonight will be the Athletics' 47th game. What do you think it is for the Rangers? Mm, they are, like, this game, like, 43 or 44. 43. In division – They've already played 23 games in division. A's are just five and eight in division. They're they've played 23 games. They haven't bear, They've only played nine games against the East. They've only played three games against the Central. We've hardly played in division. While the Rangers have done nothing but play in division. Yeah, I mean, what, what, and that's why we asked Marcus Simeon about the division because, I mean, for God's sakes, the A's. Just saw the Mariners. That was our first look at the Mariners. And the Angels, the Angels to date still have not played the Mariners. No, that's right. And Compared we, to 23 games yeah. already played by the Rangers in division. What do division. you mean? The Yankees played the Orioles 13 times already. It's May. I don't get how one week, one week of not playing baseball because the lockout changed everything so much. One week. How's that pot? I would understand – I mean, the disparity in games played by teams, you could throw to some weather. But I would understand if this was an arena sport, if you're basketball or hockey, and you're, you know, arenas book concerts, and they book all these other things, you know, whether like Bieber's coming to town or Disney on ice, and, you know, you've got conflicts and stuff like that. We've got no conflicts. Tomorrow we do. Dr. Dre, Snoop, and others are going to be at the arena. But that has nothing to do with us. I know what I'm saying, but Snoop's going to be can we sneak? Can we sneak over? I would like to go see Dre perform. So they basically did that. I don't know how you viewed the Super Bowl halftime show. It, lo it looked like. Oh, the, yeah, it was, it was. I liked it. It looked like the old guys back trying to be in business again. They, they've taken it from the Super Bowl. They're now on the road together. Yeah. I got, not all of them. I don't think Eminem. Unless Eminem's going to show up, but I don't, I don't remember seeing him advertise in 50 Cent. Cash in, cash in, cap. Cash in all you want. I remember watching that halftime show at the airport in L.A. No, Orange, uh, the Orange County Airport. That would be John Wayne Airport. Yeah, John Wayne. So, I don't know. What the hell was I getting at? You, you Yan Yankees with all these guys hurt. Donaldson, Stanton. Nah, that wasn't where I was going. Because I heard a great comment yesterday. We don't have to get into it today. But I heard Tim Kirchner say that Aaron Judge is the best player in baseball over Manny Machado because he hits more home runs. And because he plays in New York, and that's always going to help. <laughs> so, because he plays for the Yankees, he's the best player in baseball. Well, we're and to be fair, the Yankees do have the best record in baseball. Okay, let, let me let me let me. How old is Tim Kirkshen? Sixty-two or sixty-three? I'm going to guess. Let's see. Tim Kirkshen is, and it just goes to show you 
how – look it up because I'm not – my phone's on. It just goes to show, and it's why I talk all the time, and no offense because I know you can hear us in the press box. Um, Kirkson's 65, my bad. Yeah, he's 65 that's, years old. That's 63. The, 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 our elder statesmen in our game – who cover our game, who work in our game, are not the people that are great at really promoting what our game is. And it is just sad, but it's unfortunate that a lot of people that are supposed to be enhancing the brand of our game, enhancing everything about our game, are, are a bunch of old, old guys. No offense, and I know some of you may be <laughs> going to the bathroom or listening in the elevator, but it's true. We're looking at you, Alex Jensen. We're looking at a bunch of you old guys. You say stuff, and it's like, what are you talking about? That the best game, he's the best player in baseball because he plays for the, well, he plays in New York. That is something that you would hear in the 50s and the, well, you can go way back all the way into the 20s, but that's something that how our game has shrunk. Because of the app, because of the MLB network, because of everything, like, we get to see everybody's at-bats now. We get to see everybody's games. It isn't about just the Northeast, for God's sakes, and just because you play for the Yankee, just because you play for the Yankees doesn't mean you're better than Manny Machado, whether he's playing in Baltimore or San Diego, it doesn't matter. You're giving a guy an A, an edge, that he is better because of the uniform that he wears? That is lunacy. That doesn't happen in other sports. Why? Michael Jordan played for the Chicago Bulls. People think he's the greatest player of all time. He never played for the New York Knicks. What the hell are you talking about? They play for the Wizards. Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What the hell are you talking about? You don't have to play in New York to be the best player. And that is not good for promoting our game. How many years do we have to listen to these guys? It's like, ah. I didn't think I was going to be so animated. Dude, well, because I watch MLB Network, and they say this stuff, but then you go, oh, that's right, they're all based in the Northeast. It's like crazy. You could have the greatest player in the West. I mean, is, is, you, you think somebody's really better than Trout? He did, he did start by saying, I don't but think. But do you think there's anybody no, better than Trout? No. If Trout played for New York, if oh. he played for the Yankees, can he imagine? He would be, he'd be marketed more than he is by now, right now by 100 times. There's a reason why our growth is so slow compared to other sports. We played the we played the interview of Ray Fossey with 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 Sparky Anderson, who in the mid '90s, Sparky's complaining that they're wearing multiple uniforms. <laughs> Sparky Anderson is complaining about stuff. You're like going, "Oh my God, it's 1995, and this guy is complaining that they're trying to sell more merchandise." Do you now see what I'm talking about, like how slow that everybody has been in our sport to where there's a reason why the NFL and the NBA have just leapfrogged baseball? Go Dubs tonight. Big game. It's not a big game. Pivotal game. What is this? Not a big game. Every Pivotal game, game five, you know they're up 3-1. Every, every playoff game has been decided by how many points now? Uh, the last – you know, so the Celtics and Heat were actually, I think it was a five-point game at the end, but the Heat were losing by like 25 at one point. But every game going before that was like uh, 18 straight games or something like that. Or the last 10 was an average of 17 points per game was a defeat. That's only like the that's not good. That is not good. So I don't know. Let's let's bring some levity to the program with Buster. Speaking of New York, yeah, that's true. He, did he, we? Did, did, I I was going to have a ban on questions about the Yankees. We didn't. He brought up 
Judge, or I think you said something about Judge, and that was it. We didn't ask about the Yankees, though. Yeah. And I think he mentioned. I'm sorry to get angry. I just get so tired of hearing. It's like, it's like you can be a star. Like, put it this way. You can be a star in the NBA in any city. Where does Giannis play? No, that'd be uh, Milwaukee. Where does Steph play? San Francisco. You can be a star anywhere in the NBA. In football, man, Joe Burrow. Where's Joe Burrow play? Cincinnati. Cincinnati? I mean, in the NFL, you can be a star anywhere. You can be a star in Carolina. You can be a star in Minnesota. You can be a star, well, you could have been a star here in Oakland. You can be a star anywhere. Cleveland. Arizona. Cleveland. Cleveland. Baker Mayfield has commercials in Cleveland. He's not even the starting quarterback anymore. I mean, seriously, you can be a star anywhere. Baseball? Can you be really a star anywhere in baseball? Can you be a national star anywhere in baseball? New York. I mean, you you can't you can't tell me that's not a problem, and it's a problem that you've caused because the other sports. Why are you looking at me saying that? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. You're not old. <laughs> I, I don't have a guy to blame here. Uh, the other sports have proven that not to be right. In fact, hockey too. The best player in the league plays in Edmonton, and, and then I, before that, the best player played in. Pittsburgh, not the Rangers or Boston. Explain this to me. Why are the Steelers not considered a small market team in the NFL but considered a small market team in baseball? Popularity. Riddle me that, Batman. Yeah. Figure that one out. And Steelers are considered a heritage. They are. Super Bowl Big-time franchise, Pittsburgh, football city. But in baseball, it's, oh, there's just a little, little little city with a team. How is that possible? Yeah, same with hockey. They're big. They're small. They, I, think I they're, don't get it. They're more mid-market in hockey. but. So, and you know what? I'm sure there's people mad at me at the press box right now. But if you want to argue it, I'll argue with you all day. Small-mindedness small in our sport has hurt our sport. <laughs> Bottom line. So on that note, we were going to have – Dan O'Dowd and Buster only on the show two days ago, but obviously with the tragic shooting in Texas, things changed for our show. I hope you understand um, that day was more about what we had lost, the treasure of those children, teachers, and we weren't going to play the interviews. So we taped these interviews, and we'll probably end up Dan O'Dowd from MLB Network We'll take. We'll play him on Friday. But here is Buster Only from ESPN from earlier in the week. Well, now joining joining us here on A's Cast Live. You know he's one of our favorites. We bring up his podcast, Baseball Tonight, all the time. It's the we like to call ourselves the number one podcast for teams, but the number one podcast in our sport, no question. Buster Only is your host. Buster, we love reading you. We love listening to you every day. It's been a while. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, almost a quarter of the way into the season, having fun, great storylines all over the place. How are you doing? Good, good. What do you think of our new set here? It's beautiful. I love, you know, there's a part of me, I must say, because you've got that, uh, I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm colorblind. And I grew <laughs> up as, in the 70s collecting helmets. And the cool thing is, even though being colorblind, I can see really deep colors like deep green and deep gold and deep red. Mm -hmm. And so I loved as a kid 
the Oakland helmet, you know, uh, and I pretend that I would be Bill North or yeah. one of those guys, you know, diving head first, stealing bases. And so your set is so great because the colors for me as a colorblind person are vibrant. Uh, I, I, it's, I've always loved the A's colors because of that. It makes you think of Sal Bando and Gene Tennis and Burt Campanaris. I mean, we have their bobbleheads here, but that t- this helmet right here just screams 70s. Right. Uh, Joe Rudy. You know, the only part of me that's a little better was that I grew up a Dodger fan. Yeah. And so I've got 1974 all over my memory. Uh, you know, they, they lose the Dodgers lose four games to one. The only game they win uh, when Mike Marshall picks off Herb Washington at first base in that game. Uh, I, you know, I wish that World Series turned out, out better. But that when we have those conversations about what was the greatest team ever, that team has to be in that talk. So we're at that quarter pole where you've played 40-something games for, for all the teams in baseball. And you really can kind of sit back and say, okay, who are we now and where do we need to go? What are the biggest stories for you so far at this quarter pole? Well, first and foremost, uh, I think the the Mets have taken a big step forward this year. You know, the surge of that team with Steve Cohen, their owner. Uh, they go out and spend all that money to get Max Scherzer and Starling Marte and Eduardo Escobar, uh, Mark Canna, change the culture of that team. And even though they have injuries now to Scherzer as well as to Grom, the expectation is they're going to be one of the most aggressive teams. And I'm, you know, as someone who's worked in New York a long time, I'm fascinated with the dynamic that's going to develop between Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner, who's never really had a team on the other side of the city to challenge him. So when Juan Soto becomes a free agent down, you know, in the years ahead, the pressure that's going to be on Hal is going to be very different. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Aaron Judge, you know, betting on himself so big before the start of the season. And to see him, as you and I speak, he's on a pace hit 66 homers. Wow. I think that bet, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that bet's absolutely fantastic. And you just, you know, individuals around the game, Manny Machado having a great season down in San Diego, uh, emerging as an offensive player in a way that I certainly didn't anticipate. Um, you know, all of that is really fun. You know, we've seen a lot of great one-two punches, Hall of Famers in the same lineup together. Uh, it's happened throughout baseball. But I made this point the other day because, of course, we, we've, we've had to take on the Angels a couple times. With Trout and Otani, both mm-hmm. healthy at the same time. And you think of what Otani is as an offensive player, as a pitcher. Trout's an all-time great. I just think as a one-two punch, I was trying to figure out, like here in the Bay Area, you had Mays and McCovey, but I'm talking about an entertainment factor. I don't know if we have ever seen a one-two punch with the entertainment factor. We're in the entertainment business. The entertainment factor of Trout and Otani since maybe Ruth and Garrick. How do you feel about the one-two punch in Anaheim? I don't think Ruth and Garrick, and I this is going to feel like sacrilege, I don't think Ruth and Garrick are close to what these two guys are. Yeah. Because we've never seen anybody like Otani. You know, last year when we had the conversation about who should be MVP of the American League and people would cite Vlad Jr.'s uh, numbers, and I'd go, yeah, that's all nice, but no one's ever done what Shohei Otani has done. Joe Madden, the Angels manager, told me last year, you know, this is something we may never see again in our lifetime or in, in three lifetimes, in 100 years. Uh, and here's the thing, Otani's backing it up. 
Like we're seeing him build the foundation to another season like he had last year. And oh, by the way, if we want to say that Otani is Batman, the Robin might be the best player in the history of baseball. (laughs) In Trout, no one's done what Trout has done early in, in his career it's great to see him healthy, uh, and it's fun, the possibility that we might actually get to see Mike Trout in a postseason on a, on a big stage. I think he would thrive. I think Otani would thrive. That is a fun team to watch. There's no doubt about it. Well, they're going with the six-man rotation, something that I'm really looking at this year as now we're going to go down to 13 pitchers, but we're already starting to see it, right? You've seen the Tigers and the Rays use 11 different starters. We've heard that the average team will use 13 in a year, and you just think you only have so many pitchers. You only have so many guys in the minor leagues. I mean, what what is the average team going to use in starters this year, and is this sustainable? I think that once you get to 13 pitchers, that becomes a great a, a question that takes on more weight, right? Early on, because we had the lockout, uh, teams were able to carry extra pitchers. You know, they extended the deadline on that, and, and teams haven't felt the stress of that yet. And, and we saw last year, I think Milwaukee was really the first team that showed the potential of using a six-man staff. You know, they rested their guys on a regular basis. And let's face it, for the most part, have limited their starters to six innings. And it's worked. But, you know, Craig Council, the Brewers manager, and I had a conversation early in the year. And he talked about that, like, boy, once you get to 13 pitchers, it becomes a different math equation. Um, I don't know if it's, a, if it's sustainable. But here's the thing. The teams now have turned so many pitchers from uh, marathoners into sprinters, I don't know if they're going to have a choice to do anything but constantly rotate those 12th and 13th spots on their on their pitching staffs uh, with guys in the minor leagues. So you might have your core of you know six starters or five starters, and then rotate one up from the minor leagues, and then you have your group of relievers. Maybe you're rotating somebody else in, but I do think having uh, more pitchers, leaning on more pitchers and having them show uh, take on greater or less responsibility for starters, uh, using six-man staffs, using more relievers. Uh, that's just part of where we are in baseball right now. It's part of the reason why offensive numbers are around, are down so much around the game. And humidors. I mean, we, we've talked yeah, so yeah. much about humidors, or, you know, because – no one knows the answer because in a place like the Bay Area, whether we're talking Oakland or San Francisco, you put a ball in a humidor, it's going to be different to how it reacts in Kansas City or Colorado or Arizona or South Florida or New York. I mean, we we really don't know, do we? San Diego versus Minnesota, like how the ball should react and, and how it's different in every city and every climate. You're exactly right. Uh, the composition of the ball, the quality of the baseballs has been so much of a part of the conversation. I'm sorry, sure you saw your old friend Eric Chavez. Yeah. His, uh, his quote earlier in the year where he talked about a conversation among his players, the speculation about whether or not they put in juice balls into nationally televised games because they want to see more offense. Uh, I, you know, I know baseball officials are driven crazy by that kind of conversation, but I kind of feel like they've earned it (laughs) (laughs) because they've had all those studies done where the baseball has been different from year to year to year. I remember once at an all-star game, 
walking into a conversation inadvertently between Dan Halem, who's the number two official in baseball, and Max Scherzer, who in this last year was ahead of the union, and Max is just going at him. Like, what are you doing with the baseballs? How can you make these changes without approving it? Uh, it, it's a constant conversation. I think it's unfortunate for baseball. I really am looking forward to that time when we can actually assume that the quality of the baseball will be relatively consistent. Because you imagine, like, if the Warriors were playing and on a nightly basis, there was a conversation about whether the ball was too small or too big or, or what the quality yeah. of it was. It, it only happens in baseball. Oh, the Bay Area would be freaking out. Buster, right. that'd be like- It'd be like saying, okay, the Warriors on a regular night when they're on NBC Sports California playing the Suns and the Suns are on Bally Sports, ah, nobody cares. But if they're on a TNT game, we're now using the ball that goes into the hoop more. People would right. freak out. Right, exactly. You know, instead of the – I remember, uh, you know, when I was in college at Vanderbilt, I played with some of the women's basketball players, and the ba- basketball they would use would always be, what, 28 and a half inches? Smaller, yeah. 29 and a half and that thing, you could shoot it like crazy. Imagine if that was the conversation. Is the ball just a little bit smaller for the Warriors and the shooting percentage? It would be crazy. But that's what's going on in baseball. And it really has been going on for four or five years. Speaking of the factory, your alma mater, how about your guy, Tony Kemp? Yeah, he, he really is. you know, become one of my favorite players that I've ever uh, covered in baseball. I got a chance just before the start of the season, this is when the lockout was going on. I went down to Nashville. He was working out at Vanderbilt. And I got a chance to sit and chat with him for 15, 20 minutes. I just love, A, his intensity, and B, his integrity. Uh, and I've always, you know, I knew him when he was in college a little bit. But then when everything happened with the sign stealing in Houston, and to hear the stories afterward uh, about how he was one of the guys who told the veterans, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to participate in this. Don't relay the signs. That was so impressive to me. It said so much about him as a person. And I actually, this spring was the first time I got a chance to talk to him about it. Like, how did you as a rookie tell veterans on that team, no, I'm not going to participate? Because you know, and I know, we've been around teams. The idea that a rookie is going to tell a bunch of veterans that says a lot about the person. No, can you imagine having that conversation with Carlos Beltran? Yeah, right, exactly. And someone who, you know, Carlos Beltran on a Hall of Fame trajectory and looking him in the eye or, you know, guys who've been in the big leagues a long time and to to say flat out, nope, not right from the beginning because there were guys on that team who we know after the fact, once they got caught, they were like, well, I didn't really want to get involved or (laughs) no, it wasn't involved. Tony was right from the get go. Nope, not doing it. Don't ask me. You guys do what you are going to do, but I'm not getting involved. You know, let's end on this. One of the fun things about our game is talking about the individual players, the greatness, as you mentioned, Aaron judge. I mean, we haven't seen 60 bombs since Sammy Sosa. You know, you think about that or John Carlo or, but when you talk about the best player in the game, it's amazing. I mean, what, what we're talking about with Soto and what's going to happen in his future, Machado, what he's doing for our buddy Bob Melvin in San Diego. There are so many great players. And I think more importantly, to get people more interested in our game again, Buster, I think there's so many great athletes that we have in our game. Oh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, Juan Soto, I think you would agree with me in a, in a perfect world, in, in a, in a better lineup, 
he probably is the best hitter in baseball, pound for pound, in terms of being like his generation's Ted Williams, uh, Trout, uh, just everything that he can do. He always seems to get better. It's like, you know, his career trajectory is the side of a pyramid. Yeah, tell me year about he's it. making we adjustments. We I love it. Manny Machado's story. Because I don't know how you felt when he was with the uh, – when he was with the Orioles, you thought, okay, the guy's an elite defender. You know, I had conversations with Brooks Robinson about him, how good he could be there. Teammates were telling me how good he could be. But offensively, he'd kind of go up and down. Well, this year with the Padres, he's better than he's ever been. And on top of that, I think the stories you hear about him being a clubhouse leader, about a guy who's setting a tone, that's not something we would have ever envisioned you know, right up and through his free agency when the question was, how hard does he play? To see him change as a person and as a leader and as a player, that's really neat. So far this year, he's been the best player in baseball. But as you say, there are a lot of guys who could win that title by the time we get to the finish line. You know, everybody has their job and their role inside Major League Baseball. In MLB.com and MLB Network, we understand what they're trying to do and, and what they mean to the game, but still ESPN, what you guys do from a journalism standpoint, the writing that we get on ESPN.com. And I think kind of the responsibility you have with your podcast is to still, you know, talk about the game, the good, bad, and the ugly promote it and also dissect it and say what needs to change. Uh, do you still feel that responsibility? I know we don't have baseball tonight like we used to, uh, on ESPN, but what you do with the podcast and what you do with the writing, I mean, still us baseball fans go for you, go to you for the truth. Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, cause I, I, and I, that's always been my goal as a reporter. I believe that, uh, the truth needs to be the absolute foundation of everything that we do. I personally, for example, this week, we had the whole thing with Josh Donaldson. I like Josh personally. Uh, I think, you know, I admire him as a player. I love the changes he made in his career. And I thought he made a mistake on Saturday with Tim Anderson with what he said. And I thought it was a mistake, not the next day. Just come out and say, you know what? I've heard the voices. I messed up. And, and I'm going to do better going forward. And, and if I saw Josh today, I would say that to him. And I think you would agree with me. There are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, entities where you can't necessarily get that. So I appreciate the words. Well, I, I say it all the time, and just to you know what fans we are, we steal from you all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and that's the best compliment that you can have. And I wish I could steal your studio. Oh my God, all that green and gold, I love it. Well, you know, we'll send pictures because we finally got a, approved by Major League Baseball starting Thursday. We can do this live from the field. So for home games, this are set will be the Oakland Coliseum live from the field. And meanwhile, all I've got is a picture of Abraham Lincoln behind me. Your set is a lot better than me. Well, Abe was a big deal, though. <laughs> and you know he would have been a huge fan of the Cubs, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you are the best, Buster. You be well, and let's do this again soon. That's I always have fun talking with you. Now, the question would be, would people be bitter about Abe Lincoln and his hat at the Cubs game at Wrigley Field? Like, bro, you can't be wearing a hat like that. I can't see over it. It's a great question because is one it, that is it really great? It is. I'm, I'm I'm channeling my inner John Morosi here. That's a well, that's a great Chris. Uh, great Chris. That's a great question. There you go. Chris, great, that's a great question. Great question, Chris. He said uh, it's so good. It's so question, fast. Chris. Yeah, uh, he he had a 
Where is that good friend JP? Uh, he's he's harder to track down than uh, who's the white well that we? I, oh, he's harder to get than Joel Sherman. At least Sherman tells you no. I can't even get Morosi to respond sometimes. Joel Sherman, we he is the only I think the only major player in baseball media we haven't had. Yeah, we've had everyone. We've had Verducci. We've had everybody. Riders, we had riders wise. We had pretty much everyone. Another New York guy. Yeah, whatever. I hate him. We see the Mets this year. You know what? We play the Mets here, I think? No. You know, the, yeah, the Mets come here. They come here? They come here. Maybe the, jo- Met- the may- Metropolitan? Maybe Joel Sherman will be here. Not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll I'll, text, I'll reach out to him. What's he going to say then? Why can't he do it? That's a New York team, and we're playing a New York team. You're a New York honk. Yeah, why not? Do I have to go through my guy Lou from MLB Network to book you? I got Dan O'Dowd. I, I, can, I can get him. I love – we got to play Dan O'Dowd because Dan was great. I love my guy Dan O'Dowd. We'll, we'll play it tomorrow. So, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Mark Hotze as normal. Um, we're going to have C.J. Niktowski from the Rangers and uh, – C.J., the lefty. C, uh, from SiriusXM MLB Channel. And maybe our good friend David Forrest. Um, I know he's busy this week with uh, college scouting. So, although Cal's right there and Dylan, Bieber, Dylan Beaver's – Telling you, that's the guy. Well, we're gonna. Um, I'll tell him that when I see him too. We'll we'll probably tape Kotze tomorrow morning at nine a.m. That's a given. I'm always prepared for that. You'll have your man bun ready. See, yep. this is this is this is Cody with his hair done. I get to see the man bun in the morning. It's yep. like this greasy European soccer looking thing. <laughs> it's just it's it's a hard. It's tough. I mean, if I had breakfast, I'd probably vomit. It's so bad. By the way, I'm going to a wedding next month in Texas, and I'm told Why? that have you, have you, it's, it's my wife's cousin. You need to grow up and stop going to wedding. At some point, you got to, like, say, I'm not going I, to wedding. I've been to, like, six weddings my entire Why? life. Why? It's, it's now family. Now that you're married. It's family. It's my, wife's, it's my wife's cousin, first cousin. What does and that they were have at, to do? They were at, and they went to our wedding. What does that have to do with you? Well, I'm the husband, so. Well, you could say anyway, I, what I, I'm getting I got at, a job. Have you ever heard of this before that's. It was um, Western Summer Casual is what the dress style is. I'm not Western doing it. Western Summer Summer maybe Casual. Summer Western Casual. That's what. Summer Western Casual. What do you think that is? It's got to be like We're getting in cowboy the, hat, shorts, something like that. Cowboy hat, jeans, cowboy boots. Nothing. That, I don't wear jeans. I don't have cowboy boots. I don't have a cowboy hat, and I don't have a uh, bolo tie. Which I wasn't oh, part I, of it. I would rock the Philip Rivers bolo tie. I might go tie. bolo tie. I'm, I would rock. I'm that. going to get a full suit, a new one, but I'm, I think I might buy a bolo tie. I do not have boots, and nor do I have a cowboy hat. I don't either. I got jeans. I'm going to go see the Rangers play the next day while we're down there. Do you know they're playing? Juan Soto and the Nats. Oh, Juan Soto. If anybody's been listening to the show, how we completely destroyed the Juan Soto, Ted Williams comparisons at these people have been trying to throw out, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You cannot at all compare Juan Soto to Ted Williams. There's a couple numbers. Home runs and walks. Overall, you can't go slug. You can't go OPS, OPS plus, weighted runs, created plus. You can't even just doubles, simple ones. Um, Where's Juan Soto hit right now? 236. He's hitting 236 at the age of 23. Yeah. Do you think Ted Williams ever hit 236 at the age of 23? I don't think he hit 236 ever. Ever. <laughs> 236. And, oh, by the way, it's actually worse than that. I had this in my notes somewhere. And I, I actually highlighted it just for you, Cody, because I know you've been trying to 
You've been trying to egg me on on this Juan Soto, Ted Williams deal. Well, you, you want to know something? I'll take Ted Williams over Juan Soto because he plays in Boston, and that's always going to help. Yeah, because he plays in the Northeast. <laughs> well, wait, isn't Washington the Northeast? Uh, do we consider D.C. the Northeast? I think so. Oh, yeah, Juan Soto, I don't know what he did. Are they playing today? Uh, yes, they are. They're winning 5-3. Juan Soto going into today, last 10 games, is hitting a buck 18. Uh, the Nats- Overall, 236. Uh, that's not Ted Williams. Stop. Just abs. I don't care how many pitchers, who's throwing 100 miles an hour. Oh, and by the way, they shifted against Ted Williams. Uh, Juan Soto 0 for 3. So he's hitting below 118 for the last 11 232 games. on the year now. All right, how much time we got? We got to go. God, I guess there's a lot more I wanted to get into. Well, good thing Are we, we back sh- tomorrow? I think we have a show tomorrow. And we have, like, no show next week. Uh, Tuesday and Friday? I want to put on the poll, should we have to do a show on Memorial Day? Because I'm already working. I'm in. Yeah, nobody else here is working. Yeah, for <laughs> some reason, I'm the only of, of the A. What, what is our department called? We need a name we're, for our department. For broadcast Grounds crew is going to be here. Show the grounds crew. Grounds crew is going to be here Memorial Day. They're here. They're grinders. I'm going to be here. All these other jokers aren't going to be here. Don't look at me. Ray's not going to be here either. I know. What is our department? Are we the broadcasting department? Is that what we're under? We are, but there's nothing for A's cast that day, so what do I need to be here? So the A's cast department is not here except the A's cast guy. i yeah. got to be here, but all you are going to be drinking. Because you work for the my pool. Because you are technically part of the A's radio network. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Don't even get me started. On all right, a- we got to go. Don't even get me started on AM radio. What? Yeah, for you kids, there's this thing called AM radio. Used to be something way back when. All righty, that is going to do it for A's Cast Live. We'd like to thank Marcus Simeon, Buster Only, and the great Scott Emerson. Tomorrow we know we will have the manager, the skipper show, Mark Kotze. C.J. Nikowski. C.J. Nikowski, the left-hander. And, uh, oh, Dan O'Dowd. The great Dan O'Dowd. Unless we bump him again. (laughs) Huh? Unless we bump his taped interview. Well, it's in every green we can yeah. do. We talked a lot yeah. of things about baseball. A lot of good stuff in there about the A's, too. But remember this show, the very first A's cast live on video from the field that you watched on YouTube and Twitter. This right here is the future of a- baseball, and you saw it for the first time, and I think we're going to grow this thing, and it's going to be fabulous. And everybody listening at athletics.com slash acecast and on, iHeart, on the iHeart platform, we truly appreciate it as we're trying to bring you the best possible program we can for A's and baseball fans. We'll be back in just a little bit with A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.